You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Galatians 6, verse 1 through 5. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he'll have reason for boasting, in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. All right, so tonight this section is about real and effective love and care for one another, helping each other out in uh, real ways, and keeping a realistic attitude and humble view of one's own importance. And so if I can talk for the next 30 minutes or so, and we still understand that those things are what this is about, we'll have accomplished our purpose. So again, care and help with a big dose of reality. And of course, reality to us should almost always be quite humbling. So verse one, brethren. So we've addressed, we're addressing the entirety of the believers in Galatia, of many congregations and many people. This is not only an elder or preacher or deacon or official leader passage. This is a brethren passage. Even if anyone is caught in any trespass. So any trespass, uh, there's all kind of sin that so easily besets us. We're told in the Hebrew letter to lay aside every encumbrance and that sin that would entangle us. If anyone's caught in any of these things, long enough that we need to send somebody out to talk to them, then we need uh, to do it properly. And we need to also be careful in some regard as to which brother we send. There's some brethren that we might not send for some sins. And there's some brethren we might not send to some other brethren. We need spiritual folks to help out those that are struggling spiritually. Now, don't think that this has to be uh, formal action of the church, that we've assigned it to the proper committee, that we've written the right letters, uh, that we uh, have uh, sent a delegation officially. This is best handled brother to brother in a brotherly fashion as it was addressed to the brethren. But also then, we might have the humility to understand that some brother, when he's come to talk to us, he may be directly fulfilling this passage and not just come to get on to us, not just come to make things difficult for us, but to truly help us. And we're all going to probably need that help from time to time. We have this in 1 John 1. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, well, that'd definitely be caught in a lot of trespasses. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the truth, or excuse me, walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, He repeats, if we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. And so there's nothing that seems more out of place than a Christian who, uh, when approached by other concerned Christians, could not admit fault, uh, could not admit that uh, uh, there might be something to this, there might be some reason uh, these brethren are coming to see me. Uh, it might be that I'm mistaken and not the entirety of them, because uh, it's easier just to leave well enough alone, and sometimes people do that. But if someone has come uh, saying that, brother, we, we think there's some uh, trespass here, uh, we think there's some fault here. Uh, well, let's see what we can do about that. And then the brother responds, and I've actually seen brethren respond in such a way as to say, who, me? Really? Me? And at one time, actually, uh, there was uh, one in Christ. Well, at least I, I think they were in Christ. Uh, they, 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 they worshiped there with us. I, uh, they worshiped the Lord uh, with us in, in the formal services. And they actually said, don't you know that I wouldn't do that? Don't you know me? It's like, well, actually I do, and that's why I think you did. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the more we know one another sometimes, uh, the more uh, we, we recognize that sin, but we, we do it not just to uh, 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 chastise them. We do it not just to, hey, look, you got a problem, bud, but it's you who are spiritual going to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. So we just saw in the workshops, uh, excuse me, the fruit of the spirit, we just saw that gentleness was part of the fruit of the spirit. So anybody who's led by the spirit ought to be able to be gentle. Now, sometimes they don't act that way, but at least they ought to be able to because they're spiritual. So again, it's, we're sending the more spiritually minded. We're, spending, we're sending the ones who have the fruit of the spirit out to do this work. They're useful for this service. So again, Galatians 5, 6, this is, should be a general instruction about being spiritual. We all should be spiritual. I say walk by the Spirit, and you ought to carry out the desires of the flesh. And after the work of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit was discussed, Paul said, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. So we should live and walk by the Spirit. We should all attain and seek to attain to the maturity that we could be the spiritual people that this passage refers to. Right? We, we, should, we shouldn't be satisfied that, well, those other people will handle it. Uh, they're spiritual. Well, no, you, you be spiritual. You get uh, spiritual. Uh, Galatians, uh, excuse me, Romans now, to the same effect as Galatians 5 said, for all who uh, are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So if you're a child of God, you should be led by the Spirit, and you should at some point attain to this. Not that all have, but all should seek to, and this should be the goal. So then we can be gentle in dealing with people who are caught in whatever trespass. So this would be a spiritual duty of care. Restore them in a spirit of gentleness. In this world, we have some people who have various jobs, of which they actually have legal responsibilities to care. Uh, I believe it's called duty of care. 
There's some of the caring professions, uh, doctors and nurses and some others as well. And they actually have a legal obligation to care for people and, and to do best for them. They've been certified and uh, they pass various requirements and tests by the state. Then they're given a license uh, uh, to do various medical things. But coming with that is a duty to care for them. Uh, likewise, in the financial aspects of life, there's a, a thing called a fiduciary responsibility. If you're given trust over other people's money and you're a money manager or your other different kinds of things that are effectively stewardships, you have a fiduciary responsibility. You have a legal responsibility to look out for the financial interest of whoever's uh, uh, assets or, or, uh, or, or property or the like uh, that you are overseeing. Well, here, in the same way, there's a spiritual responsibility. There's a spiritual duty of care to seek after the best interest of other people, right? We already have, uh, you know, the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them uh, do unto you. Well, this is that extended. Uh, this is that not just for the general populace, but the next level of it, uh, which the spiritual people uh, have moved on to take in that responsibility. And so just, uh, well, last night we uh, began to look at Luke 15, and next week we'll look at the parable there of the shepherd. Uh, he had a hundred sheep, and one of them was lost. What does he do? He leaves the 90 and 9 to go find the one that was lost, and he goes after it until he finds it. And so uh, he's putting himself out, for the lost sheep. Well, that's this as well. You are putting yourself out. You're seeking them who are caught in trespass so that you may turn them back so that you may restore them. And as we'll see in the next verses, and already by the fact that this is the assignment for the spiritual, this is not a time where you look after your own interest or your own pride or you're able to go out there with the attitude to them of, well, you know what? Now that you caught in this trespass, brother, don't you think it would have been better had you listened to me? This is not the I told you so moment. If you want to restore them, you got to put all that back in your hip pocket and not bring it out. Uh, you have to go out there in the spirit of love. You have to go out there in the spirit of Christ. You're doing the work of Christ in the name of Christ as a spiritual or Christ-like person. And so this is a great work. It's highly commended by God. It is the work that Jesus came to do to seek and save the lost. We're doing it on a much smaller basis, but we're doing this work of Christ. In James 5, it says this, My brethren, if any one of you strays from the truth and one turns him back, so there's a person who strayed, they've got caught in trespass, and now here's the one who restores him. In James, he said, if one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And so when we go to restore the lost, when we go to seek and save them, we are recreating in small fashion the very work of Christ. And we are helping that work of Christ be completed. We are the instruments and we are the agents of God in doing this. God has many means to bring the erring back to the way, and spiritually-minded, loving, concerned brethren is one of the tools that God has in his toolbox. And so we need to recognize our role in this 
our place of service in this. It's about them and the Lord, and it's not about us. And in this, we would no more seek our own self-interest in it than Christ did when he came to seek us. So we do this putting them first, putting them uh, uh, in a more, counting them like Philippians 2, more important than ourselves. And we also see in this verse 1, it says, Each one looking to yourself, lest you also be tempted. So now we're going out there to the place of sin. We're going out where sin is being currently practiced, even though it's a brother who's involved. There's currently sin occurring. There's currently sin being practiced. We are going to that place. Well, what are we going to be tempted to do when we get there? Well, we might be tempted to join in the sin that has beset them. That might be one way we're tempted. We might be tempted in the ways of pride to uh, put ourselves forward and and not put their best interests forward. Uh, We might be tempted to just uh, do it in the most cursory way and then say, well, I checked that box. I've done my best. But there's a lot of temptations that come when going out to correct other folks. And we need to recognize the reality of that and avoid that, looking to ourselves, lest we be tempted. Now, because the devil, if he can get you in the same sin that beset the first brother, now he's got two in the same trap as he had one, right? And so I think about uh, in scouting, uh, we're taught how to do a water rescue. Well, one of the things that is a great danger to those who are trying to rescue somebody drowning is what? Drowning yourself. Getting caught in the same uh, riptide or getting caught in the same uh, currents, uh, the, 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 the same rapids that got the first guy. Or the first guy uh, who is drowning in, in his panic, he, he grabs you and drags you under. And so if Satan can get a two-for-one deal in the same trap, why then that's been a very effective day for Satan, been a bit of great loss uh, for the cause of the Lord. So we want you to rescue, but without getting caught in sin or getting caught in another sin. We think about the Pharisees. We don't like to think about the Pharisees too much, but they come up so much in the Gospels, we kind of have to. The Pharisees viewed themselves as the corrector of the foolish the instructor of the innocent, they viewed themselves as the embodiment of holiness to God. And how many sins did they fall into? It's almost hard to list all the sins of the Pharisees, but self-righteousness and hypocrisy, uh, 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 despising uh, their brethren, uh, those would be right on the first page, but there's many more to follow. But that, that the Pharisees did all that thanking themselves to be the ones who are closer to God. And if anybody wanted to come close to God, they'd need to go through them, right? Well, here in this place, we as the church have been asked to get people who are in trespasses and bring them back to the Lord. That's the job the Pharisees thought they were doing. And so if they could have fallen, and it took a while, it didn't happen overnight, but if the Pharisees could get into all the sins they did, thinking they were basically doing what this verse would instruct at the heart of it to do, then could we get into those same kind of sins ourselves? Yes, we could. And so we're to avoid this greatly. So we're not going to lose our temper, becoming exasperated with them. 
We're not going to despise them because uh, they need our help. We're, we're not going to be uh, overly harsh with them uh, to, uh, you know, put ourselves up as we, re- as we would seek to rescue them. But at the same time, we're also not going to, well, just to make things more friendly, excuse their sin. Because that's a temptation the other way. And so Satan might get you to, again, two for one, fall in the same trap. Or he might get you to do another sin uh, while avoiding what is obviously in front of you as a danger. And so some uh, excuse sin or some uh, change the standard uh, to make it, they, they think, easier for that other guy uh, to come out. We have this from Jude. Jude says, on, uh, have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. And so we need different approaches based on different personalities, based on different situations, based on different sin. We need discernment. We need wisdom and discernment, and we need the the spiritual mind when we go to address those who are in a trespass. And so at this time, or all times, especially when it says, look to yourself, lest you also be tempted, we remember what Paul told the Corinthians, therefore let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. So we've got a, we've got a dangerous assignment, a difficult assignment, an assignment that has so many different ways that it might go sideways, and yet we're still to take it on, and we're still to really, really help. So verse 2. Give this real help. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Now, in the immediate context, it would certainly appear that the heaviness, the weight, the burden, the trouble, which is what this word uh, baros is translated burden means, it would appear that the first thing it's mentioned here, or first application of this uh, uh, would be Uh, spiritual things based on this context. Now, certainly though, we would help with uh, physical things. If there's somebody who's sick, what do we do? If there's a family who's bereaved, what do we do? Well, you know, sometimes there's such an outpouring to help those who have those kind of troubles uh, that you wonder, well, should I take over food or not? Because the fridge is already full. Somebody's already filled their fridge. Um, So that certainly helps. That lightens the load. And whatever we can do of physical help with the meals, uh, with the uh, physical uh, things of, of, of keeping a house while going through these uh, difficulties of, of uh, spirit or, or flesh or, or family or different things, that can certainly help. But I really think it's, it's a, a spiritual that's primary and first here. Uh, the Apostle Paul would say this to the Corinthians again, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty nine: Who is weak without my being weak? And who is led into sin without my intense concern? And so, of course, he was, uh, in his apostolic work, he had many brethren in pretty much all the churches, the daily care of all the churches, he'd say in this text. He had that weighing on him. We don't have the daily care of all the churches. We just have the you know the, the concern uh, each day for the brethren we do know in the churches that we are at and where we have a a, a fellowship with with other believers. 
But here's the burdens that we are to bear, right? And what, what is it in 1 Corinthians 13? What's one of the things that love does? Love bears all things. Love bears all things. So we, we need to have this, uh, this kind of love that helps when the help is needed. Not the one that says they'll help and, hey, call me if anything comes up. And then, well, if the, that phone rings, I'm not answering. But the one who actually does. And so this is the attitude that we should have to help brethren in what their needs are. Spiritual, I think, is the first thing in this passage, but obviously would apply to the physical as well. And notice what it says if you do this. If you do this, you fulfill the law of Christ. Now, if I search through the rest of my New Testament... I don't find too much about the law of Christ. I do know what it would take to fulfill the law of Moses, to love God uh, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself. Thus fulfills the law and the prophets, right? And so if that, if that fulfills the law and the prophets, what is it that this bearing one another burdens do, does that fulfills the law of Christ. Well, there is the law of liberty over in James 1, which is also mention of law in the New Testament. But I don't think he's using law here in that quite that formal way. If we were just to summarize as briefly, as shortly, as absolutely as possible, what did Christ say to do in regard to one another? I can think of two possible possible passages that you might quickly cite. One would be the golden rule. However you want to, others to treat you, or excuse me, however you, yes, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. And then he also went ahead and said there, that fulfills the law and the prophets. And so it might be the golden rule. That might be the law of Christ here. Or it might be from John, where he says, this is the commandment I give, that you love one another. And so whether it's the, you want to quote the golden rule or the commandment of love in John, I think you get to the same place. Christ's great law is to really care for other people. It's one of the great uh, inventions of Satan is selfishness, that we would just look for ourselves and we would not look out for others. So if you want to fulfill what Christ said, you bear one another's burdens. You help people when they're really in trouble. And so uh, going again to James, we have this instruction. Prove yourself to be doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having a forget becoming a forgetful hearer, but effectual doer. This man is blessed in what he does. And so really do what the word says. Be a doer of the word. Now at this point, this brings us to our last topic, verses three to five. All of this is going to require some realistic self-evaluation. We're going to have to deal with reality in order to do this. We're dealing with the reality of other people's faults, but we're also going to deal with our own limitations and our own 
uh, situation in a realistic way, not getting a, uh, again, the Pharisees being the ultimate example, the uh, getting in ourselves a harsh, a hypocritical, a superior, a holier-than-thou attitude, such as those fellows put on, in abundance. So while we're helping other people, and we're going to try and help them with their burdens, while we're going to be spiritual and try to restore the lost, at the same time, take note, Paul says, of who and what you really are. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Oh. Uh, what now? I thought we were just talking about you know helping folks. What's this about me deceiving myself? Well, some get the idea that they're the helper, that they're the spiritual, that they're the corrector. And if you dealt with people who tried to correct you on things when they were wrong about it, or they tried to give you advice of wisdom when they had no wisdom to offer, and so it seems that there's a tendency of people to want to be the instructor and corrector. And when they do that, they can find all the faults in others. One time a fellow said, there's no man consciousness is so seared that he can't see the mistakes of others. You know, we don't get bothered by our own mistakes, but boy, other people's mistakes. Oh, terrible. Let me go correct that. Well, hold on. Correct yourself first. That might be helpful. Again, uh, those under the law did this, and I think we've certainly seen in church history the same thing repeated. 1 Timothy 1.7, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they don't understand what they're saying or the matters about which they make confident assertion. So Paul says, hold on, let's have a reality check. Before you go out there to become the instructor and corrector, let's make sure that you really understand what you are doing. And the first thing about that is just going to be a large dose of humility. That's really what's needed. Uh, Romans 12, be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. In one sentence, Paul says, don't be haughty and don't be wise in your own estimation. Why do you have to repeat himself? Because some in the back row weren't listening. And maybe some in the front row. And several of the rows in between. So a realistic self-evaluation. I want to go out there and help them. I'm spiritual, I know. Well, are you? And do you? Are, are you sure about that? And so don't think you're something more than you are. Uh, when Paul was talking to the Corinthians again, 1 Corinthians 3, those who divided up over Apollos and Paul and uh, not recognizing that both those men truly worked for and with God. But he said, so then the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So that's the same thing here. Don't think you're above what you really are. Have a realistic assessment of what you know in Christ and what you do in Christ. And sometimes those who have a little bit of knowledge, when they combine that with 
uh, arrogance. Uh, they combine the worst traits possible, and they become arrogantly and foolishly immature. But yet, those are some of the people at times most wanting to go correct somebody else. It's kind of disguised now to us in English uh, because we don't uh, use Greek all that much, although we used to in an academic setting. But a second-year student, what do we call a second-year student at a high school or a college? Well, we call them a, a sophomore, right? You start off fresh. You're a freshman. You're the new meat. Uh, you're the one who who's just you know right off the right off the wagon. You don't know much. You're a freshman. But then when you get to know a little bit, they call you a sophomore. Well, we might, if we think about uh, some of our studies and devotions in the Bible, we might understand that word that is the first part of sophomore, which is from the same word as Sophia, wisdom. Sophia, Sophia, wisdom. So a sophomore, the first part of that word sophomore means wise. But now the second word is probably uh, wholly unknown to us. It, it was till I studied this. Um, the second part of that word is morea, which means fool. Fool. So the second year student, the, the, the word we use in English, is, it's a combination of two Greek words, and it means wise fool or foolish wise man. Why would we call a second year student a foolish wise man? Well, because in his first year, he learned a little bit didn't he? And what happens when a person learns a little bit? Well, sometimes they uh, misapply what they've learned. They think they've learned a universal truth when it's not universal. They take a truth they know and apply it to the wrong place. Or uh, they take uh, some complex idea and they flatten it down and end up missing the point. Uh, they take a framework that works in one aspect and area and they they apply it to something else, but they're very sure of their knowledge and how much they know. And if you're not sure about that truth, just look and see how do the sophomores treat the freshmen, right? They're the guys in the know. Well, uh, they may know, but not much. And that's what Paul's warning against here, that in Christ we've started, we've learned a bit. And if we start congratulating ourselves too much in that, and at too early a stage and too immature a stage, set ourselves up to be the corrector and instructor, we might just be adding folly to folly. And we can uh, either gain or uh, uh, spread uh, incorrect ideas and wrongs that take a whole lot of instruction to get rid of. And so have a realistic evaluation. Verse 4, let each one examine his own work. Yeah. So, again, we, we started with the idea of correction, needed correction. Somebody needed to be instructed because they they caught up in a trespass. But rather than examining other folks and seeing all the things by which we might offer them instruction, correction, and the like, why don't we see what we need to correct for ourselves? before we get too uh, carried away in that work of guiding and correcting others. James 3, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. 
That includes the instructor, doesn't it? Hold on, not tonight's. The other instructors. The, the other instructors. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So what's the quickest way to stumble? What's the most common sin we have? It's sins of the tongue. And so when we send somebody out to go to the erring brother, what if we send somebody out there who doesn't control his tongue well, doesn't know when not to say a thing, doesn't know a thing that he should say, and the like. And so don't get carried away with that verse one admonition, the real work of restoring the fallen, restoring the lost, restoring those overtaken in a trespass. Don't get so carried away in that, that you think that's your work. And that's what I'd like to do. Instead, look to yourself, examine yourself. We don't need any more fault finders around here. I'm sure we have enough. We also think about this as we examine our own work. Paul said, First Thessalonians 5, examine everything carefully. That includes yourself and your own work. Hold fast to what's good. Abstain from every form of evil. And so use the word of God to really evaluate, to really see where a thing stands. And then, as the verse 4 continues, and then he'll have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone. This seems to be maybe the idea that people were boasting in what others did. They were boasting that in, in others' work, or they were congratulating themselves that so much was being done when they were contributing much to it. But if you examine yourself in the light of the Lord, then eventually uh, you'll recognize what you do. Now, let me ask you, if somebody really does, and I think Paul may be a little bit facetious here, if somebody really in the Lord examines their own work, how much boasting do you think they're going to do? If someone's still boasting, I think they're not examining things carefully. It, the constant refrain from Romans and 1 Corinthians, if we're going to boast, let us boast in what? Boy, this verse says we can boast in what we do. No. Really, those verses say boast in the Lord. And here, if we have a proper and realistic understanding, even if we think we've accomplished something, to whom would we give the credit? To whom would we give the glory? In whom would we boast? So Jeremiah 9.23, thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. So if we have any boasting, let us boast, as Jeremiah said, that we boast in the Lord. And so Paul says then, and not in regard to one another. So that's where some people seem to be stealing the credit from other people's work. No, you will, as verse 5 says, you will each bear your own load. And so, don't tag on to somebody else's work and act like you did the work. Now, if we don't understand, if we pull these, and sometimes we do this because we, we read a verse. If we read two verses together, 
and not recognize the, the, the context, we can have verses that appear to contradict each other. Uh, think about this. We just had in verse 2, in verse 2 we had this, bear one another's burdens. And now we have in verse 5, each man will bear his own load. Well, do we bear each other's loads and burdens, or do we bear our own? Well, in verse 2, it was talking about helping a brother out. Do that. Help him. When he uh, has a heaviness and a weight, do that. But here, the word is not of heaviness or a thing of struggle. It, this load, it's the word that was used of a burden as you'd put on a beast or the freight or the lading of a ship. So the ship, the load that a ship carries or the load that's on a truck. And so when, a, when somebody's weighed down, go help them out. But if you've got a load on you, if you've got a job to do, what do you need to do? Take on your load, deliver your load, carry your load, take it to the destination. What would you think about a guy who takes some out of his wagon and puts it into yours? Hold on, guy. I got enough over here by myself. Put it back onto your truck, right? Put it back into your backpack. I'm carrying my own load. And so verse 5, the load that each will bear for himself is pulling your own weight, not coasting on and not taking credit for others. The heaviness and burden and trouble of verse 2 is what you go to another person and say, here, let me have some of that. Here, let me help out. All right, so verse 2, the law of Christ is fulfilled when you help somebody who's under a great weight or in some, some kind of trouble. In verse 5, the faithful one in Christ carries his own pack. He doesn't say, would y'all carry this for me? Right? He carries his own load. So everybody will be responsible and accountable to God for their own actions. And we're not to try and shirk our responsibility and duty and get other people to do it. Now, if things get too much for us and the brother wants to help us out, what do we say? Thank you for helping and praise God for you. And what do we say? If we see a person in need and they can't handle what they've got, we say, can I help you, friend? Can I help you, brother? And so we help each other out, but we don't shirk our work because somebody else is willing to be a helper, do we? That, that's, that's not faithfulness. Uh, that's not what Paul is instructing. So care, help, a realistic view of, of reality as you really stand and what your real situation is. And honestly, doing that should just every time lead to humility. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Malvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at malvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.